Hi everyone, it's Dina McKay, and I'm back with a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged, the podcast that allows Blacks in tech to share their authentic stories with you, the listener. On this episode, I'm back with Africa Miranda, and we're coming at you with the latest tech news. You're going to learn about OnlyFans and the content that they're removing from their site. To learn about Google and what they're doing to their workers who want to work from home. We'll talk about some of the shortages that are caused by COVID. And we definitely cannot leave out some of the viral videos that you've probably seen this week, including the scholarship video and the milk crate challenge. Now, let me just tell you, no one was hurt in the making of this podcast. If you like what you hear and you enjoy this episode, make sure you rate and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening today. Now, let's get it. I'm back with Africa for a brand new episode of Black Tech Unplugged. Hey, Africa, how's it going? It's good, Dina. How are you? Hey, guys. It's going well. So what's going on with you since the last time I've had you on the podcast? I am still a pandemic puppy owner, and that has been taking (laughs) up more time than I anticipated. Uh, Let's see, what else has been going on? The film and television world, especially in Atlanta, has picked up like a thousand percent. So a lot of auditions, a lot of self-tapes, a lot of Zoom tapes, a lot of Zoom callbacks. So life is different, but still moving along. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. I actually was in your neck of the woods. I went down to Nashville for a little vacation. So I I love Nashville. Yeah, I had a really good time down there. And then also, you know what? And you probably heard on some of the previous episodes or on social media, have a South by Southwest panel that's up for voting. And it's it is called code switching necessary evil or um, lifestyles. So if you have not voted already, I definitely need your vote as well. Yes, everyone, please make sure you vote. The thing about South by Southwest is, you know, it's, it's it's such a great, you know, a you know series of events and these great conversations and these great talks. But if we don't vote for the panels that we want to see and the speakers that we want to see, like that's how we get represented at that table. So definitely make sure that you are voting because we can't complain that we aren't, you know, seeing our faces and having the conversations that we want to have when we have the opportunity to like actively support. So please do that. Exactly. And I couldn't have put it any better myself. So with that in mind, let's go ahead and move forward and talk about some of these current events, girl, because it's been a lot going on since the last time that we recorded an episode. So much. I know. I think the first place I want to start is this whole thing with OnlyFans. So not sure if you heard, OnlyFans is starting to pivot their approach and they actually want to remove some of the sex worker content off of their site. And I'm like astonished by this because that's the content that's been making them quite a lot of money and giving them such a big name. Absolutely. And for those of you that are, you know, maybe the five people that are listening that do not know what OnlyFans <laughs> is, I'm like, what are we talking about? OnlyFans is a private, like members only, but like paid membership, like online community where content creators of all different types of content can create like video and, you know, private conversations and and interactions online for their community. And, you know, this was something that sex workers really found a way to just, you know, monopolize and blew it out the water. And especially with COVID, you know, a lot of sex workers were saying it was a way for them to safely still continue to build their business. This is money that these workers pay taxes on. So it's not like they're gaming the system. And, you know, OnlyFans became synonymous with sex workers and it became like this huge thing on social. And you would see people like buying houses and showing like, you know, how their life, basically their life changed financially because of what they were able to do 
um, you know, via OnlyFans. And it just, to me, like this company became like part of, you know, in many circles, like the pop culture conversation because of sex workers. And it made them then more viable for investors because they were a startup, you know, and that's the whole thing with startups is that you want those investors. Mm -hmm. And then now when they get, you know, I guess they're at this precipice of getting all of this funding and different things that they want. And now they're making this big announcement that they're no longer going to allow, you know, the full range, I guess, of, you know, sexual content that they did. And, And to me, it's just really unfair. Yes. And we've heard rumors about this for the last, I'd say, what, year or so that, oh, they're going to remove that type of content from the platform and it never really happened. But I think they're really serious this time because OnlyFans themselves has put out a statement. They are unapologetic (laughs) about removing this content. They're like, hey, this is what it is. This is what we're doing and we're moving forward. So I can't fully say that I blame them and their approach because at least they're being transparent. They're telling you in advance, they're not taking it off tomorrow, but I'm intrigued in regards to how they think they're going to continue with like the viewership and continue with driving people to the platform. And that's the thing, you know, I saw when they started really, you know, getting a lot of celebs on the platform to create their community. So I feel like that's going to be the way that they try to go. But Unfortunately, I don't think that that's sustainable because the same celebs that will get on, like I know Cardi B is on OnlyFans, but she'll also get on her Instagram live at any time and talk about whatever and show whatever. So if I'm at home, like what's what's my benefit of paying $25, $35 a month to be on her OnlyFans when I know she's going to get on live and I know she's going to get on Twitter? You know, it's just we have so much more access to celebs than we did before that I don't think that that's like going to be a big draw. And also, you know, the reason that OnlyFans is so attractive to investors is like you said, the the numbers, the viewers, the, the, you know, the memberships, the the revenue that they've generated. But then you're going to take away the thing that did that. And to me, without a clear replacement, I think they're going to kind of fall off that cliff a lot quicker than they realize. Yes. I think that's where I am like, what are we doing here? There's no clear replacement, but I did hear So Tyga actually is Tyga for people who don't know who I'm talking about the rapper. Well, you might not know it from even, even saying Tyga, the rapper, there's a rapper named Tyga that used to be on kind of young money, which is Lil Wayne's label. And And who is it? Kylie Jenner's ex-boyfriend, unfortunately. also, Also his claim to fame. Wow, I forgot about that. Oh, well, you know what? And then he's also <laughs> Black, oh, China's Black China's baby daddy. Exactly. Yes, yes. And there you go. <laughs> yes. So Google that if you don't know. But yes. I did not know that he is reportedly one of the only fans top earners. And he deleted his account. What? And he's going to launch a new competitor platform. Wow. Well, you know what? Then I'm not mad at that because... The thing with all of these sites, and I'm, and I'm, I say this as a content creator, like if Instagram shuts down tomorrow or Twitter, mm-hmm. you know, or any of these other places that we host, I mean, hell, even Zoom, like if any of these things shut down, you know, how do we, how do we then keep our connections and keep our platforms and keep our, you know, the things that build our revenue? So, I mean, he's, he's, if he, I didn't, Tyga is the largest earner on OnlyFans. That's kind of amazing, uh, but it's very mm-hmm. smart of him. So I, I would like to see more creators and even really more sex workers taking, you know, hopefully being able to partner with some other outlets to do the same thing, because one of the things that stuck with me in the article that 
you know, I know you and I were, were taking a look at is that for a lot of the women, they just said it was so much safer for them. And that really is the thing about sex work. It's like, I don't judge anybody for the work that they do, but I know that if you are physically out having to interact with people, t- even take COVID out of the equation, it's just very dangerous. So to be able to still do that work and not have to physically interact and still, you know, take care of yourself and do those things. I just, I, I liked that women were able to do that. And, you know, and men or, or whomever, like however they identify, but sex workers, period, were able to do that. I'm very excited to hear like what Tiger's, so Tiger's platform is going to be called My Star with two Y's, so M-Y-Y Star. Okay. And it's going to support content creators who wish to create whatever kind of content they want without pushback. So I'm, so, I am very intrigued to see if this takes off. Interesting. We will see. Yes. And actually speaking of sex work, (laughs) I know you've been seeing some of these viral videos, the scholarship video. Yes. They're so funny. They are hilarious. So for people who are not aware, there is a prank that people are doing on, I would say like their grandmothers or their mothers, depending. Yeah. And so basically they pretend to make this scholarship video and in the video, when they're describing their life, they usually say that the person or the woman sitting next to them had a past of prostitution to see their response. Now, a lot of these videos are hilarious. I cannot even lie. Like some people's parents are about that life. Like they're like, wait a minute. You said what now? Right. <laughs> One grandma cussed the girl clean out. Yes. I did. Well, so my friends were trying to make me do this to my family. I did not because I enjoy having my life. There you go. (laughs) But I asked my aunt, how would she respond? Mm -hmm. And she actually said she would sit through the whole video and then later on being like, okay, so why did you make me have to be a prostitute? Well, and it's funny you say that because there was another one that I actually saw today, like about an hour or two before we got together. Mm -hmm. And it was a girl uh, with her dad and she wasn't saying prostitution, but she definitely was saying like how they had to steal things and like do all this stuff. And her father was sitting there just, he didn't say a word the whole time, but he was looking at her so confused. And I was like, that's sweet. Her sweet little father was so confused about what his daughter was doing. But like, like your aunt, he was not going to say anything, but I'm sure he was it's like, what the heck is going on? I definitely have to link that video into so cute. The, it's it, so cute. He was like, I know what video you're talking about because mm-hmm. he was like, he was just so, so like he was sitting there quiet and supportive. Right. But, but I know in his mind, he probably was like, what the heck exactly. is going on? Oh boy. Well, yes. Yeah, so from the OnlyFans and viral video perspective, I know that there's been just a lot of talk around sex workers and prostitution for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> right. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. And we, you know, we're still living in this remote world. We're still in yeah. COVID. And so a lot of people are working from home. But did you hear about what Google is doing for people who want to continue to work from home? I did. I'd heard that, you know, some months back that this was probably coming. And that's what, you know, because again, a lot of people realize, well, I can work and I don't have to live in New York and San Fran and, you know, these super expensive cities. If I'm just working from home, why don't I work somewhere else where I can have a better quality of life, pocket a little bit more money, you know, all these things. And now, you know, companies like Google are adjusting it based on, you know, where you live. And to me, you know, I get to some degree that pay is commensurate with, you know, the city and the cost of living and all of those things. Mm -hmm. But I also think that these companies that are like billion dollar companies, it is still a pandemic. The Delta variant is like 
really just going crazy on us and doing her thing. So it's like, you're going to like, I I just don't understand companies that are adjusting anybody's pay by anything negative, you know, while we are still in a pandemic for people that are still showing up to work, that are still having to homeschool kids or do whatever it is that they're doing in their homes and still work. Like I just, to me, like, I really think it's unconscionable. I totally agree. And I feel some kind of way that because I want to work remote and cut this, most people who work at these tech companies have these strenuous commutes. Like, let's just be real. No one lives next to the office. No one is, you know, hopefully no one's sleeping at the office either. So unless like most people's commute is on average over 30 minutes. Exactly. And if I want to save time, by working remote and you're going to dock me from a pay standpoint because of that, I have an issue with that. 100%. I feel like you don't value me as an employee. Well, like, but I think that, that's what has been to me exposed throughout. If COVID has exposed mm. any like ugly part of capitalism, not that any part of it is pretty, is really that these companies, like you're seeing what could have been done, period, for people that are disabled or have any other issues. We could have always been working remote. We could have right. always been making, you know, all of these adjustments. So it's like now, no, they don't, because here's the thing, they don't care because now they're like, oh, we're saving money on you know, on company office space. So they're pocketing a lot of that money. Like there's so much money that companies have saved in this year. So I'm like, and now you want to cut, like use this arbitrary system too, to determine what people get cut by how much, because I know in New York, they're saying, well, if you work in New York, then we won't cut it, you know, but then for people that say live in Connecticut, that really is still kind of considered the New York area because they Mm -hmm. commute in, they don't get, you know, they would get docked. So it's like, how are you arbitrarily? It's just, it's so like, I just, I don't like it. But I'm not surprised because at the end of the day, companies care about their profit. They do not care to me about their people. Oh, for sure. It's I mean, like you said, consumerism never died during COVID. So the whole concept of, you know, getting as much value as possible and getting paid as much is still there. And I don't know. I, I guess I wish that we would have learned something, you know, within COVID, like, People want to be valued. People deserve to have a good work-life balance. I don't think that anything decreased. And I mean, obviously, let's use Amazon as an example. We know that no profits decreased during COVID. So why is this such an issue? I think that Google has the same. I'm just a little bit, I don't know, disheartened, I guess would be the best way to put it. Definitely, definitely. You want to have hope that these companies are starting to realize the value of their people. And it's like, no, we're going falling back into the same traps that we were already in. Oh, yeah. All that goodwill at the beginning of, you know, all of this has run out. Like, is everybody's like chop, chop back to business? Like, you know what I mean? Like, even though we are still hit, we're hitting some numbers that are higher than the supposed first you know, height of the pandemic. Like we're like the pandemic did not end. Like I see articles about like post COVID world. I'm like, post where? <laughs> like it's not post. <laughs> like hospitals are full again. But for, for a lot of these companies, like I said, like that whole goodwill at the very beginning to me, like that moment has passed. Everybody's just like, are you showing up for work on Monday? Do you have your projects? Do you have your this? Like, okay, we're cutting you this. We're cutting that. I know one person, one of the articles was saying that they're going to, if they decided to to work remotely, they would be cut. Their salary would be cut by 10%. Well, mm-hmm. they had just gotten a raise and that would have basically, it would basically cut, like cancel out their raise. So they're like, well, why did I work hard to get a raise? If then now I'm going to work at home and then basically lose the raise. So it's just, it's, I, I, I hate it. But this is corporate America and I don't, it's, it's to me, it's never going to change. 
That is true. Let's see what happens in the next couple of weeks with Google and the work from home sure. salary and see how also the workers are feeling. This is a story that we'll come back to and discuss a little bit further. Absolutely. So next, Toyota is having a shortage. So the semiconductors that are in their car, there's a chip shortage and it's cutting their global production. And I'm not talking about like a small cut in global production. Right. It's going to the automaker thought they were going to make 900,000 cars, but they're reducing it to 500,000. That That's is a huge. big cut. Yes. Huge cut. And it's because the parts and supplies for the um, chip that they need within the vehicles is not being produced because of COVID. And no one's really talking about this and sees an issue with this. But I think this is a little bit crazy. No, it's it's very crazy. But what's interesting is that, you know, so many people like nobody really thinks about like when you go to open your toothpaste and brush your teeth, you squeeze the bottle. It's like nobody thinks about like the things that we use every day. And the fact that there are certain things happening behind the scenes that is making it much more challenging for you to use regular things like a car, like, you know, like all kinds of things. Like there's a shortage in cars to buy. I recently sold my house. And one of the reasons why housing prices are are so crazy is that there's a shortage of wood. So even to like for people that... So it's crazy. You know, I'm a, I have a beauty company. There is a shortage of, you know, of raw materials for the, to actually make the products. There's a shortage on plastics and bottle fixtures and different things to like for the packaging. Like there is a, like there is quietly or maybe not so quietly now a shortage in every industry. And it's like a Toyota, who is the largest automaker has to cut their production by that much. Like you're going to start, I think we're going to start feeling like you said, the effects of it in so many different industries. And I think people are going to really be surprised. Yes. And I also, this makes me wonder if you are one to purchase a Toyota, how this Mm -hmm. is going to affect car prices. Now we already have seen a huge increase in car prices just since, you know, in the last couple of months, but how is this going to affect one, the cost of it, but two, maybe you want a particular model and you are waiting for it to be, you know, made. How does, how is this going to affect us? as well. Oh, it's the prices, like the prices and availability have gone up. Cause I'm like also in the market for a car. I was like selling my house and then I've got to get a new car and different things. Like there are like, you used to just be like, if you wanted a particular car, like whatever color style, whatever it, it was there, mm-hmm. it's not just there. Like, and this is every dealership, every maker, like there is a, like, there's a low, like it, stuff just isn't available. Even like parts on cars. I have a friend who was going to get her car fixed there's like an issue like like so there's like a like again there's a shortage across the board on so many things and we are definitely going to like car prices are absolutely up like for sure yes and i also want to want people to understand so these semiconductor chips that toyota needs they are like this when you see them they're this little you know little piece mm-hmm. that goes into the car but it affects so much and it's just this little little item, the semiconductor that is a shortage and it's crippling the auto, like for Toyota, it's crippling their production. And I think we have to keep in mind that we are not out of COVID and things are still going on, but we got to have some grace because everything is not back on track. We have a long way to go. Things are still evolving, changing. Exactly. Exactly. So, yes. So, Hopefully semiconductors make a comeback at some point, but I think it's going to be a little bit 
little bit of time before we see Toyota kind of up and running again at full capacity. At full capacity, exactly. Yes. All right, Africa. So to end our conversation today, I do want to talk about another viral sensation that has been going (laughs) around because this is still tech and it's all over social media. But girl, these milk crates have our people (laughs) hypnotized by this milk crate challenge. And I do not understand it. I don't either because it just looks like a like shortcut to the hospital, to the emergency room. And I'm like, the way my Obamacare is set up, I'm all right. I'm good. Like, I'm good. But it's, it's like been so like, but I, it's one of those where it's like, you're watching a bad car wreck happen because you know, like someone's going to just totally eat it. But then there's been like a couple where like the guy, there's the guy that was like rolling a blunt and got to the top and smoked it and then w- yeah. went down the other side. And then a girl did it in like some clear heels, but they were like a, a block heel. And I was like, smart sis with the block heel. And like, she was <laughs> able to go all the way over. So it's like one of those, I feel like if I, my only, my thing would be to tell people, if you're going to try it, get some sturdy crates and really work on your core strength, because it seems to be all about the core strength. Right. Well, it's like, I feel like people can go up the one side, like, you know, pretty well until they get to right. the middle. Yeah, and that then, middle. The middle is like when things get a little wobbly. And well, also and grass, like it's like they're yes. not on glass. They're on glass or grass rather, or like the concrete sidewalk. I'm like, this is not. Oh, my God. I just want to know. Well, actually, I want to know two things. One, who started this Milk Creek Challenge? That. Because and. And well, then, I know mine. If you don't know your your question, I know my question. What's your question? Where did they get all these milk crates from? Like, yes, just, that was my question. <laughs> okay, because I was like, who just like? I mean, I have some random stuff in my storage, but a milk crate is not one of them. No, not at all. Now, I did see someone say it is easy to get milk crate. Like, it's easier to get milk crates than you think. But I, I <laughs> okay. think they're lying. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, even when you go to the store, I haven't seen a milk crate at like the grocery store or anything in between. Right. No. Oh my God. And then oh. you have to have a good solid, like, it looks like 50 milk crates. Well, right. Then I'm like wondering like who determined like what was the set amount that you do? Like there's so many little, cause everybody's looks pretty consistent across the different videos that I've seen. So I was just oh. like, who decided like how many, it's so funny. It's so funny. It's so funny. I will say at least it brings like some lighthearted laughter to what is, it feels like sometimes, you know, the news and all that is a bit much. So it brings some lightheartedness to everything that's going on. Definitely. Definitely. If you need your laugh for the day. (laughs) So Africa to round out our conversation today, I, you know, I usually do a final question and I guess, you know what, I'm going to make it around something that's been going on from my perspective. Let's make it around performance reviews. Okay. So it's performance review time of my job. And, you know, we do all this stuff. We write our self reviews and all that mm-hmm. from your perspective or, you know, back from a uh, corporate America, what you probably heard from other friends, because I know you don't have to have that full experience. What are some good ways to kind of like hype yourself up or like amplify the amazing work that you're doing within a corporate environment? What advice do you have? Receipts, 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 document, Mm. document, document. And I say this because, you know, I'm not in a traditional corporate environment, but I do with brand partnerships and different things have, you know, benchmarks that I need to meet and, you know, different things. And you can sometimes feel like you're doing a lot of work and you're not really doing anything or, 
you can't, it, it can feel as if you're not accomplishing any of your goals or any of the things that you need your responsibilities. But what I have found is like, it's good every couple of months and even quarterly to really kind of go back and say, okay, did I, you know, what were, what were my, what were the things that I needed to meet this month? What, what were my numbers? And really like literally write them down, research them, you know, and give yourself almost like your own personal performance review so that you already know before you go in this room or go in this meeting, you know, where you stand, because, you know, if you, you know, you'll know if you've hit your numbers or hit, you know, these things that you need to hit or not. And when you know that you have, you know, that you have, you know, a little bit more bargaining power, a little bit more leverage because you're coming in knowing that you've killed it. Now you could also look back and say, well, I didn't really do everything I needed to do this last quarter. And that's also good to know as well, because you can see the areas before someone tells you, like, I'm very big on, like, I, I can quickly self-correct. And usually before someone can tell me the areas that I need to work on can say, yeah, I was maybe it's a little weaker here. I could be a little stronger there. And I have found that people that are reviewing you or critiquing you are in a position, you know, those positions of power over you, they take it better when someone either can let them know what their flaws are before they can say it, or are ready to like, are right on board with them saying, yes, I agree. I see where X, Y, Z is, and this is how I can work on it. So don't, I would say, don't run from your numbers, like document and look at the work you've done so that you're ready. Like hiding and, you know, sticking your head in the sand and just hoping it all turns out well is not to me, not the way to go. Okay. I like that. I like that. I think another aspect is making a brag list. So what I mean by that is by the time that we get to these moments where it's like performance review, you forget half of the stuff that you've done, especially if it's like a six month or a year. So mm-hmm. keeping a spreadsheet of like, this is what I've accomplished. I don't care if it's the littlest thing, like, yep. you know, I organize people into this workshop, keep track of everything that you do. And if your company has, you know, a certain mission or like, let's say different values that they, you know, align with, I also take the brag list and align those particular points to those particular mission or, you know, whatever key points that the company likes to highlight. That Mm -hmm. way you're showing that, hey, I'm doing these things and this is aligned to our mission and what we're working on because they want to see and make sure that, you know how there's always that conversation around culture fit. Mm -hmm. When you're in the culture, you have to make sure you're showing them, hey, I add value to this culture and here's how I do this. And it aligns to this particular value that we always talk about. And so I highly recommend keeping a list. And also another thing that I want to throw out there that kind of piggybacks off what you said is one-on-ones with your management, mentor, whatever you have in the workplace. If you're directly reporting to someone, you need to have a one-on-one with them. So one that you're level setting and you know what the expectations for your role are so that you can have those benchmarks and you know what you're measuring for. And two, to keep a, be a bi-weekly, monthly, however often you're meeting to make sure that they understand, hey, this is what so-and-so is doing and that they're aware of the work that you're doing and committing to within the workplace. Because a lot of times people are heads heads down. They're trying to accomplish their own goal because they too, you got to keep in mind, they too are trying to get promoted eventually. So if you're not telling them what you're doing, then they're going to forget. I mean, plain and simple. They They have their own things in mind. So Those are just two of my tips as well from a performance review standpoint. I love it. All right, Africa. Well, it's a pleasure as always. And I can't wait to talk about some more stuff next month.
Sounds good. I'm like, let's, I'm like, let's keep it together. The summer is ending. Oh yes, it is. It is. But we're ready for fall. We're ready for fall. Thanks for listening to Black Tech Unplugged. I'm Dina McKay and you can find the podcast on all social media sites under Black Tech Unplugged. And if you haven't already, follow Africa's instructions and go vote for the South by Southwest panel. It's called Code Switching, Lifestyle or Necessary Evil. You have until August 26th to vote. And the link is in the show notes and in the show description. Lastly, if you haven't already, go subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to this very episode on. If you have a few extra minutes, make sure to leave a five-star review as well as a written review. It would help me out a lot and help other people find the podcast. Until next time.